Welcome to the Calvary Cast, a podcast from Calvary Bible Church in Grand Junction, Colorado. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of His people, and the Great Commission. Well, hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. Episode 42 of the Calvary Cast. I'm Graham Parker. You are? Jess Miller. There we go. That's it. Good. That's our introduction. I was thinking, because uh, we told people oh, like two months ago we were going to release an episode every week, mm-hmm. and then we stopped, and we haven't for like two weeks. Mm-hmm. This is, what the Calvary cast is, is like a surprise album from your favorite artist. You never know when it's going to drop. You never know when it's going to drop. You right. know, you hear. Did about we that. actually commit weekly, or did we say we're going to try to do that? That's we, what, always we always leave ourselves a wiggle, wiggle room because we know, right, right. we know ourselves. <laughs> we we have really high standards for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. We um, we got to make sure that we always leave ourselves wiggle room, and our our yes is more like yeesh. Yeah. Our no is <laughs> then maybe our no is no. I don't we're know. like. A non-committal college student. Right. No offense to any college students that listen, but I'll make this joke about like my brother when he was in college and lived in the same town as us. I'd say, hey, do you want to come over and hang out? Uh, maybe. Let me see what else is going on. <laughs> yeah, very nice. <laughs> always Make you have, feel warm and fuzzy. Yeah, like, oh, okay. You always got to have an excuse, something else to yeah be able to do. Make so. you feel warm and fuzzy. Which we need to feel warm and fuzzy right now because we got buried in a snowstorm in October, buried which is really weird. Biggest snow I think we've had since we've been here. And cold. It it's just cold. not fun, but it's supposed to be 60s again by the weekend, so there's hope. There's hope. And that was the weather report brought to you by... The weather. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's for free. Anyway, what are we doing today? All right, we're going to talk about uh, Titus, specifically Titus 3, and the first, oh, what is it, uh, eight verses in there. And um, and I think it's important for our time. We've got the election season coming up. Uh, I think We there's, do? Yeah. You haven't heard about that? No. Right. There's yeah. an election coming up? For yeah. what? Uh, School board? I don't remember what it's for, but you know, oh. that, that comes, it, it, it's important, I guess. <laughs> so we're going to, and uh, we're not going to talk about the pol- political element of that, but this is uh, applicable to that season for Christians, but also just for any time in our lives. So uh, we'll, we'll talk about this a little bit and we'll go from there and see how it goes. You want me to read these? Or are you going to read these? Yeah, why don't you read them? Why don't you read uh, chapter 2, verse 11, and read through chapter 3, verse 8? All right. So, Paul writes, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Declare these things. Exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves are once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, of God our Savior, appeared, he saved us, 
not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Good. So, I mean, in general, as we analyze what we just read, um, we think about uh, our salvation. Um, we need to look at it in, in different aspects. But one of the things that's really clear is that God has saved us out to be a separate, uh, holy, unique people in this world. Uh, we are to be different than the world around us and different than the way we were, right? So we saw that a number of ways through this and how, you know, the grace of God has appeared and we've experienced a salvation and that grace is training us to renounce our ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. And when Paul talks about in other places this age, he terms it the evil age uh, in um, not just the day we're living in, but obviously 2,000 years ago. And um, the idea is that uh, we as a people are called out to be different. Uh, We're saved, very unique people. Uh, Verse 14, he gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. And here's the key phrase, who are zealous for good works. And I don't know if the listeners notice, but as you were reading through that, that term, good works, shows up a number of times. It's very important yes. and very prominent in Paul's letter to Titus. Yeah, it dominates the letter, actually. I think, like, the theme has to be, right, the the, the importance of sound theology, but how that translates into good works. And Yeah, and I think that's important to bring up because— um, it's obviously 100% true we're saved 100 uh, by grace alone is what, what we'll see in this. Uh, God's working entirely. And um, when God saves someone, he keeps them saved, and and uh, it's it's apart from any, any works that we've done, any of our own righteousness. But we're saved to good works. Right. And so God has a, wanted a people who would be, in, according to chapter 2, verse 14, zealous for them. Hmm. Uh, always looking to be able to do good works. So we're, we're a people zealous for good works. Um, this is something Titus was clearly supposed to keep teaching. Verse 15, declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. I mean, he, this is something God wants taught continuously to his people, that he saved us out by grace so that we could live uh, for him as a unique people in this world for good works. And that becomes really important when we cross into chapter 3. Because I would say that chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, are primarily teaching us how to live in this present age. Um, and the attitude we're supposed to have towards the lost and our government and how we're supposed to treat them. So we have to keep that all in the context of he has saved us and called us out to be a unique people in this world who are zealous for good works. Okay, so in in verse one, he he starts out with this uh, command to remind them or remind the church 
about some things. And so anytime we come across something like that in our Bible reading, we should really pause for a second and just ask, okay, now what is he wanting that church to be reminded of? And that even implies, the whole idea of reminder implies that we may have forgotten. (laughs) Uh, We may need to be reminded of this constantly. Or the tendency, because of our flesh, is going to be to drift away from whatever he's telling us and to kind of do our own thing. And so in this context, what is he to remind them of? Well, the first one is to be submissive to rulers and authorities and to be obedient. Hmm. Not to God, ultimately. Well, you are being obedient to God. but the By virtue of being obedient to, to the, the rulers. rulers and authorities. Right. Okay, so this is really important. I think we always need reminders of this, that God has established government to... Uh, have the rule of law and keep society in order and to govern and to restrain sinful nature and to punish evildoers and, and all of those things that the government is there for. But when we have um, laws of the land and we have governor governments over us, God wants his people to be different and unique in this way, that he wants them to be, uh, and he uses words that would probably make us uncomfortable, mm-hmm. submissive and obedient. And uh, those things are really important. And I know it's become so tricky right now because, um, you know, and we're not going to, we won't go into the arguments of, you know, what is the authority? You know, is it the go- the people or the, uh, or the document, the you know, or yeah. whatever? All those things. But there are laws and rules that are put in place. And I think in the main, the people of God should be submissive and obedient. And I say in the main because... The, the time for an exception would come in when um, when we are being told to do something or not to do something that God has commanded us to do. And that's why it's become so tricky with COVID-19. And I'm yes. not going to—we won't go into that whole discussion right now, but uh, it's become tricky because we know God tells us to worship and gather and sing and all of those kinds of things. And if, if a government restricts that, how long do you— abide by that, what part of that. So that's all things that need to be fleshed out in individual contexts. Individual local churches have to flesh that stuff out. But the governing principle that God wants over his people is to be a law-abiding people. Doesn't this, isn't there an attitude characterized in this that I'm not trying to be uh, just rebel against the government for the sake of rebelling against the government? (laughs) I think that, that sometimes like, the American attitude can be a little bit that, right? Yeah, and and a resistant, a resistant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so there, and with all of these things, there's a peaceableness, there's a gentleness, there is a humility that that governs and accompanies all of these things. So the same attitude and the same characteristics should govern our view and relationship of the government. I think so. Exactly. I mean, yeah. And that's why I say like some of this may be you got to flesh this out. You got to work this out right. in a, a particular context. Right. Right. But the attitude mm-hmm. is always cooperative. Right. Maybe that's a good word. Cooperating yeah. with the governing authorities until we can't anymore. And right. wherever that line is, that's where we have to work that out in a context. But even when you're no longer cooperating or being obedient to what it's done because you feel like if you're doing that, you're being disobedient to mm-hmm. God. Even that is done with the right attitude of, we would like to obey what right. you're telling us to do, but we can't. Right. Yeah, it's just a humble, submissive, gentle approach rather than uh, I'm just going to 
violently and angrily and get mad at you. Government. Yeah, and maybe I'll get myself in trouble in saying this, but we, I, I don't know that the don't tread on me attitude yeah. is what I'm really <laughs> That's reading what I, here. I was trying to think of a way to phrase that. That's right. probably the good way. Yeah, if your church is flying the don't tread on me flag, maybe right. take it down. Yeah, I, I think like, and I, I sympathize with that attitude. I, sure. I think that's clearly like by nature who I am, but maybe by nature is not who I'm supposed <laughs> to be anymore. Maybe he's going to talk about that in just a minute. Right. It's yeah. like uh, we are to be different and, and we can't just take chapter three, verse one and kind of throw it away. Hmm. Um, we're to be reminded of that constantly, a cooperative law abiding people. Hmm. Um, and um this number t- or the verse two is important because this phrase speak evil of no one. Uh, the underlying Greek word, of course, is blasphemy. And we often think about that in relationship to God. If we say something about God that isn't right, but it's that idea of, of slandering, uh, hurling fa- bad accusations, like insulting, whatever uh, would come of that. But we're not to speak evil of no one. And I think like, um, in the you know the next phrase to avoid quarreling to be gentle, um, and show perfect courtesy towards all people. Would you describe the general election that we're seeing right now? And we do know that it's yeah. a presidential election, right? <laughs> we were joking earlier, but like, <laughs> would you describe that as happening? Like, I mean, in other words, I guess what I'm trying to say is, Christian people, no matter what we what we see in a candidate, mm-hmm. no matter what we disagree with. We cannot speak evil of people. Right. You can disagree with a, the policies of another candidate without speaking evil of them. Right. And this says it's clear, right? Speak evil of no one. Right. It does. You can't say, well, I say this about this person, but, you know, it's because this is who they are. Right. right? You can't. Yeah. And it's to avoid the quarreling even over politics. And I, I'm guilty of doing yeah. it. So I'm not saying that I'm not throwing rocks at anybody. I'm like... I'm guilty of doing this myself. Mm-hmm. And in this political time, when, when we see the, uh, the nation so divided and so much hostility, so much anger, so much evil speaking of other people, I think the point of Titus is that we are to be different than that. Well, I think that like that last phrase in verse two really like kind of sums it up, right? That idea of showing perfect courtesy toward all people. And I think about like, we've talked, uh, you know, the idea of courtesy, I think of like things like, opening a door for somebody else like that's a courteous thing to do right uh and and think about that though as a dominating uh way of living right that i am demonstrating that towards all people at all times not just in my actions but in my words and and i think an even more so application towards this season that we're living in uh, how I hold my political opinions and how i communicate them with others and how i interact with those that i disagree with uh, think about that on Facebook, <laughs> you know, or Twitter or wherever your social media is. Uh, even there, the command to uh, speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy applies. That's right. Even if you're not having actual conversation with another person. Right. That's right. So, And, uh, and then verse 3 is important because it gives us a basis for that. And a, another reminder it starts with the word for, so it just giving us that basis. And he says, show perfect courtesy towards all people for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, 
passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. In other words, he's reminding us this is who we were by nature. We are ultimately no better than anyone else. Uh, God is not a respecter of persons. He puts everybody on the same playing field, so to speak. All are under sin. All are enslaved to sin. All are born children of wrath and disobedience. And so it's reminding us that you need to treat the, the lost world uh, in a gracious way because you were the lost world. Right. And is, isn't it, I don't know if I'm seeing this right, but like in verse 3, all the things that he lists there that are characteristics of the world are the opposite of what we're supposed to be. Right. I think right? it's very clear. You know, yeah. foolish. Uh, a foolish person is openly rebelling against the governing authority God has put in place, right? Uh, disobedient, and he says be obedient, mm-hmm. right? So it's the opposite of it. Led astray, uh, slaves to various passions and pleasures. Pleasures Couldn't that be speaking about, like, uh, just I'm running my mouth, I'm slandering others, sure. I'm blaspheming against against people. So it's just interesting that how he he's given instruction, he says, and you used to do all the opposite of those things, mm-hmm. and the world still does, mm-hmm. uh, but you've been saved out of that. Yeah, you're hated by others and hating one another. Right. That describes the the context of our nation right now. Yes. It's pure hatred from both sides. Yep. Pure yep. hatred. Yeah, and just for—and and, and we've moved past the just the disagreement on policy to just, I hate you as a person because mm-hmm. of that's the right. positions you hold. Yeah. And it, it, that's just wrong. And it can happen to any one of us Everything. because our flesh is still there. Right. So all those things that were true about us are still there in our flesh, which is what we're to be mortifying, right? And uh, But it's, it's all right there, so we have to be careful with that. And in verse 4, he reminds us of this, but when— the goodness, we were that way, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. Uh, and what he's emphasizing there is you were saved by grace alone. There's no other reason you were saved other than that God was grace was being gracious to you and saving you, not based on anything you did or didn't do, but just according to his own mercy. So when we have those lenses on, when we look at the world, hey, I was in that position, okay, as this lost sinner, and the only reason I'm in the position I am now, which is a saved sinner, is because of God's mercy towards me, mm. and he saved me. It had nothing to do with my goodness. And I think this will help us view the world and view those who we disagree with in the right way. We have to yeah, see it through the gospel. Well, and the other thing, and I hadn't noticed this until now, but looking at verse 4, I, I don't. is there another place in Scripture where it uses the language of like, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared? I can't think of another instance exactly like that. But... That's demonstrating a quality of God, right? That he is good and he is showing loving kindness towards us in the appearance of Jesus Christ. And again, going back to what what Paul has just, just told us, all of those things, we are to be demonstrating goodness and loving kindness toward the world around us. Right. Right? Yep. So the character of God... Uh, we're to be imaging that or reflecting that in the world around us, and that's demonstrated in how Christ came. Yeah, and it's this is really important too. If if you if somebody listens to this before Sunday's message, this coming Sunday, we're in Colossians three, of course, still, and we're going to start dealing with 
relational issues within the church and how we're to treat each other relationally. He uses the words like here, uh, uh, gentle and different things, some of the same ideas. But we need to understand that it's not just within the church that we're to treat one another with love and grace and gentleness, though Paul's going to emphasize that. He really does. But the emphasis is there because people are supposed to look at the church and the way they treat one another, and then God gets glory in that, and they know that we're the disciples of Christ because of the love we have with each other. But that same grace and love and meekness and gentleness is supposed to then be shown towards the lost world as well. We can never just uh, make that dichotomy, like, right. oh, we got to treat the... This is the way I act in church. This yeah. is the way I act in the right. world. No, yes. there's no place for that. So, and on the con- on the flip side, too... Uh, there's no place for acting gentle, loving, kind towards the world and not doing it in right. the church. No, that's it, that's incongruous. It it doesn't fit. Right. It's this is who God has made us to be, and that's why He says, uh, "It's we were saved." Verse five, not according to our, our works done by us in righteousness, but according to His mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. In other words, He's made us new regenerated us, brought us that new life, that new heart we've been talking about in Colossians 3, the renewal that goes with it, and the Spirit, Holy Spirit's the one who's doing that in us. And so we are to be living according to His work in us, that new heart and the Spirit of God uh, working in us, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. And then he summarizes, the saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, so that those who have believed in God may be careful, listen to the language here, may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Mm-hmm. Even towards the world are yeah. good works. We're a people that are zealous for good works. We are careful to do good works to the world even. Well, even back in verse 1, he's brought that out, right? Be ready for every good work demonstrated towards those outside yep. of the church. Right. And that's how we're going to do it. That's how we're going to glorify God. We're going to demonstrate what he's done for us and the grace. And it's really through those good works and the proclamation of the gospel uh, that God uses, I think, to draw people to himself. Yeah. And um, we can't say just good works does that. No, we need the proclamation of the gospel. Yeah. But the proclamation of the gospel without good works, sometimes uh, God uses it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't come with the validation, yeah. right, that, that you see both the life demonstrated, the good works, the courtesy towards people, the love for the lost, and then in addition to that, you hear the gospel, and God uses that. You know, I think the other thing, just looking at verse 4 again, that phrase, talking about how we've been regenerated and renewed with by the Holy Spirit, that's super encouraging because all of these things, I think a lot of times as Christians, we come across commands in Scripture or we're dealing with sin in our life, and we really don't think that it's possible to do what it commands us to do. Hmm. How am I to be submissive to rulers that, uh, hate me, mm-hmm. that hate my way of life? Uh, how am I to not speak evil of those who are reviling me? Mm-hmm. Uh, all of those different things. And the reality is, is because you're a new person. Right. You have the spirit of God indwelling you. You can do what's right. And I think that that, that is a, something that in the Christian church we don't emphasize enough, that you do have the power to do what's right. Right, that's right. And it's not your ability, but you're a new person. Mm-hmm. You've been regenerated. You've been renewed, made new by the Holy Spirit. 
And that's an encouragement. Yes. I think for me to know that I do have the power to obey, to be a courteous person, to show kindness to those who don't show kindness to me in the church and out right. is a just a real encouragement. Yeah. The Holy Spirit's in there. You know, verse five, uh, the Holy Spirit, walk by the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Yes. And that includes, oftentimes we think about other sins we're struggling with, uh, but that includes how you treat the world. Yeah. And uh, the Spirit is leading us clearly to treat the world with good works and with compassion Mm -hmm. and love because we see ourselves in them. We understand we were saved by grace, and this is how God brings people to himself. So maybe a final word would be in this tumultuous (laughs) election season, like church, we have an opportunity to— and in every season, every day, not just this season, but we have an opportunity to demonstrate that we've been renewed, we've been changed, we've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. We don't have to live and walk and treat the world the same way that they treat us, right? That's right. We were once that way. We don't have to be that way anymore. And I'm so glad Paul began it with saying, remind them, because yes. I needed this reminder. <laughs> yeah. So even as we were discussing it, that's why the other day I, it caught my attention from my uh, devotional time, and I thought, I need a reminder yeah. of this and because I can get wrapped up yep. just like everyone else yep. in the political ar- arena, become angry mm-hmm. um, and unloving. So we all need this reminder. Yeah. And so hopefully it was profitable. Yeah. Well, we do hope this conversation has been profitable and helpful for you. Again, we always want to hear from you. So if you have questions, comments, concerns, or ideas, email us at thecalvarycast at gmail.com. Or if you're in our church, just come up and talk to us. Shoot us a text or give us a phone call. Uh, at Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the Great Commission. So until next time.